We are and always will be a nation of immigrants. This is my country, my damn country. Give me my country, you can keep the rest. Old men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. We were strangers once too. My country, my damn country. Give me my hello, country. Hello, hello, hello. Aliens and allies, your friendly Russian is here. This is We the Aliens podcast, and I'm your host, Sasha Kapustina. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, and I'm sorry I'm a bit behind the schedule this week. I will get back on track, I promise, so please keep tuning in on Mondays. This week's episode is special. I mean, every week is special, and all for different reasons. This one I have a very personal connection with, and this one is intense. And if you know me, I'm all about that. You know how they say, beauty will save the world? This episode is about that. I'm talking to Angeles Almuna, who is a fashion photographer and a stylist and a fashionista. And I will give you a heads up here because it may be a bit heavy for some of you. It's the very end of the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we talk about cancer a lot. And you'll understand why right in the beginning of the conversation. I hope you didn't run away yet, um, because people tend to do that when they hear the word cancer. Uh, you get this icky feeling, and you just turn it off. But please stick around and don't be afraid. Uh, cancer cannot be transmitted over the internet or through thought about it. And the reality of life is that, unfortunately, sooner or later, you will come to meet some cancer in person. It's not me being negative, it's the reality. Almost 40% of people in the U.S. will be diagnosed with cancer at some point during their lifetimes according to National Cancer Institute. Either in your family or among your friends, it's going to strike close, it, if it hasn't yet. And when that happens, you want to be able to be present for that person. And that is hard. But it is something that you can actually do. Because you will not be able to fix things. You will not be able to treat their disease or take their pain away, but you can be there for them. I talk about this because it's important to learn to be in the presence of this disease and talk about it. So do yourself a favor, teach yourself that by exposing yourself to conversations about it. It's not enough to wear a pink ribbon and you're not doing it for the people who are fighting. You do it for you. So stick around. Give yourself a gift of spending some time with Angelus. We laugh, we cry, and boy, does she have stories. Thank you so much for making time. You're welcome. I know it's a busy time of the year for you. It was really important for me to bring someone to talk about the importance of this month. And I wanted to tell some cool story. 
with it. Okay. I have to admit, I stalked all of your social media and your blog. I am a fan and I'm obsessed with your style. So I know a little bit about your story and you probably don't know anything about me. So just yeah. a full disclosure. Okay. I'm from Russia. I'm a documentary filmmaker by trade. And this podcast is my effort to connect with other immigrants in the US and tell stories of achievement, success, and finding self and rediscovering self. And I know that there was a lot of that in your life, multiple occasions of rediscovering self. The other part of my story is also that I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was um, 21. Wow. Uh, and she was 47. Super young. Very young. Very she was young. diagnosed when she was 40. And I don't know, I was researching when I was looking for somebody to talk to, and I was researching and looking at women, many, many, many women, and I came across you, mm -hmm. and your energy reminded me of her. Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. And yeah, that's why I want to be just like so upfront, because I was really, I was a little bit nervous uh, before this conversation, because you know, um, my mom's been gone for 13 years now. And I was very young when she passed away and I didn't have a chance to talk to her about a lot of things and about a lot of the stuff that she was going through. Mm -hmm. She was sick for seven years. She was fighting for seven years. And, um, you know, in a weird way, and I hope it is not too weird, the opportunity to speak to you is an opportunity to hear what she was going through. Okay. So I am very grateful. So with that preface, <laughs> okay. I usually start with two simple questions. Okay. So how long have you been in the US and where did you come here from? Thank you for having me. Honor is mine. When you sent me the email, I was like a Wow, this is good. This is going to be good. So I'm super happy. Um, I born in Chile, South America. My father is Chilean and my mom is Spanish. And uh, I was raised in both countries. I studied abroad in England, in Switzerland, back to Spain, back to Chile, back to Spain, like that. Wow. Very crazy, but good, you know? Yeah. And um, I came here to United States for an adventure to pursue my career as a dancer 18 years ago. What were you studying? I studied art and dance. And I went to Spain to study flamenco as a professional dancer. I went to England to study English. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, my sister lives in Switzerland, so I went to Switzerland also to study some French as and mm -hmm. stay with her. And um, because my mom was a foreigner in Chile, mm -hmm. um, we were always uh, in Chile, back to Spain, traveling, because my mom, she never felt like a, she was a Chilean, you know? She was very Spanish. Mm. I came here because I was married at that time. My husband, he received an offer for a job 
And he said to me, do you want to come to the United States? And I said, yes. I have been so many places, like, a, why not? Mm-hmm. So I sold everything in Chile at that time. And I came with two, two suitcases. Mm-hmm. I came here and I was like, a, what am I doing here? And also, I didn't know anyone. Right. What did your husband do? My husband was working um, in the flower industry from Colombia. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we are divorced. It's part of my story. It's part of my story with cancer as well. And um, I went to the Miami City Ballet, uh, but I said, I don't don't want it to be a ballerina, you know? Yeah. I wanted to do contemporary. I wanted to do tango. I wanted to do flamenco. And at that point... In Miami, it was like a three schools, two, three theaters. So the dance community was really small mm-hmm. and not too many places where to where to perform, where to do your expressions and all of that. So it was difficult because I, I couldn't find my, my spot. I couldn't find my group of creative. So, mm-hmm. um, but... After time, you met the right people at the right place. People invite you to, hey, we're going to open a new company. Come with us and uh, say, okay, okay. And um, also I work in different things, um, in a restaurant, um, hostess, um, whatever. So you had to take some odd jobs. Exactly. Mm. so I think the, everybody, everybody, more or less, goes through some of that. Yeah, exactly. And um, I got a little bit depressed. Um, I didn't like the public transportation. I didn't have a car. So, um, was that the first time you got depressed? Um, Bef- being away from your home. I was depressed before when my mom passed away, but I never understood because I was uh, too young. I was 16, but uh, when I came here, I noticed I was crying all the time. I was like, it was no motivation until I found what I really wanted to do here, you know, my passion, my art, my dance. Um, And what helped you through these, these times? Take dance classes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Start learning tango. Start meeting people and doing creative things without payment, you know, no pay, uh, just because you love art. Yeah. You know, and that helped me a lot. And my husband helped me a lot and my dog. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a fashion person? Uh, yes. And how did that happen? <laughs> because my mom and my grandmother, they were fabulous <laughs> my mom was um she was elegant very chic very good taste and uh, avant-garde very modern for the time in the 50s she was the the soul of any party and i am like her in a way and i remember to see my mom in the bathroom you know when the, she's doing the makeup and uh, she was putting some jewelry and all of that and I was looking here like a mom, you look so beautiful. 
I wanted to be like you when I am like at your age, you know, and um, and uh, and I have clothing from her, you know. I keep vintage oh, pieces wow. from my mom because always I wanted to to be like her at some point. And what did she do? She was from a very uh, educated family, kind of wealthy, you know, family. Mm -hmm. And she was a pianist and she studied economy. Met my father in 1955 in Granada. My father was studying medicine. And yes, my mind was like that, was always like a, with that taste for fashion, music, new things. And she was modern. She was smoking. She was having short hair. Uh, if there were like a 10 men talking, she was one of them talking with them, you know. Mm -hmm. And when she arrived in Chile, my mom was too modern from the country at that time, 60, I think it's in the 60s. Uh, in Chile at that time, there wasn't no television. All the women, they were wearing long skirts, not too many colors. And my mom came like a, with jeans over the hips, talking with everyone, <laughs> smoking Cartier cigarettes, you know. So you grew up in an immigrant home and then you became an immigrant yourself. Exactly. So you're, you're used to being sort of an alien, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and do you think that experience of observing your mom being an alien and being so different, did that help you uh, when you got here? Yeah, definitely. And also, um, not just when I got here, like a, when I live in England, I was always like a, there's so many immigrants also in England. I am a person who I respect everyone. Doesn't matter if you are a the bouncer in a bar or you are the driver in at the bus or you are a CEO or you are a famous people. I'm treating everyone the same because mm -hmm. we are living in the same planet. We are all in the same moment. Like we are looking for those dreams. Everyone wants to be in a better place, you know? Yeah. Everyone is the same. For me, came here, I felt like, a, wow, I'm an immigrant here. But at the same time, Miami is full of immigrants. It's mm -hmm. full of all colors around the world. They're here in Miami. So at a certain point, I felt like a, I am one more person here in Miami. I felt very welcome in Miami. And so eventually you found yourself doing odd jobs for how many years? Um, so The I, reason I'm asking is that I think that a lot of immigrants, especially new immigrants who come here, they think, oh, well, half a year, a year, maybe I'll, tr I'll see what happens and then I'm going to be a superstar. I certainly see that a lot of people, myself included, have to in adjust the plan. So what was it like for you? How long did you have to be in that middle kind of ground? It was like a probably three, four years. I didn't know what I was doing, literally. Mm -hmm. And not very well paid at all. So I struggled with a lot of things. 
you know, my happiness was, my happiness at that time was like I told you, dance and be at home with my dog, and my husband and cooking. But uh, after I find the classes and uh, dancing, teaching, all of that, I found a museum that I'm working until today. Wow. And I started in the museum uh, without payment, no salary, no benefits, but it was fun because I learned from my boss that she just retired uh, this year. Mm. And we became friends, good friends. And um, and one day they say, Angeles, we're going to offer you a real job. So, okay. Well, hold on. What was it? What were you doing in the beginning? What you came to the to the museum to do? What to help in the boutique? We used to have like a, a oh, okay. store boutique, you know, museums. Mm-hmm. Like you have all of these artistic things, book, jewelry, and uh, beautiful things. Um, oh, I can see why they wanted you. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot not buy an art book from you <laughs> and the scarf. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and it was fun. I learned a lot. And after they offered me a position, uh, visitor service, and uh, working in the, in the finance department, doing all the deposit, counting the money, uh, helping the, all the donations, because it's, it's a museum. And in 2008, when the economy crashed, <laughs> they fired me. Because they said we don't have the money, blah blah blah, and I said like, look, no problem. And I start working in different things um, again, mm-hmm. dance, a lot of things. I create my own fashion accessory business. Wow! Um, what were you making? I was making brooches and necklaces, everything by hand. I start selling those in in a website, a e-commerce. I I opened my blog in 2009 because I want to promote my jewelry. Right. It was interesting because people from Spain, they contact me and they love my jewelry. And I start selling there. El Magazine uh, in Spain, also they did an article about me. And I was like, oh, wow. It was a really uh, interesting moment. And yeah. In 2000. 11, 2012, uh, more or less, the museum called me back. Mm. And I said, we want you back. Now we have money again. Mm-hmm. So until today. and uh, That's wonderful that they remembered you and that they brought you back. And the good thing is like uh, when they called me back, they gave me uh, uh, health insurance. Mm-hmm benefits that mm-hmm. I never got it. So, yeah. and it's so difficult if you don't, when you don't have health insurance, it's really bad. And uh, kind of impossible. So grateful until, until today. Like uh, I love my job. I love my people. I love the team. And uh, that's my real job. Even though it's part-time, I'm not doing like a full-time. In 2012, I met, again, the right people at the right time. And it was these two uh, gay guys. One was working at that time uh, in the fashion industry as as a PR. And his husband 
was also in the fashion industry as a DJ. Beautiful souls. I don't know how to explain. It's like a, we met during our Basel in Miami and uh, we became friends. And one day, the last day of our Basel, it was Sunday, they invited me for a dinner with all of his friends. Uh, and they came from New York. Jewelry, famous photographers, uh, the right hand of Stella McCartney. No, they invited me. I was there for this dinner, super casual. And between one wine and another wine and another wine, Javier asked me and Ross, they asked me, do you have a dream in the fashion, in the art? And I said, yes, one of my dreams is to go to, to a fashion week, to go to New York Fashion Week, maybe to go to Paris Fashion Week, London, but uh, I would love to go to New York Fashion Week. And they say, they look at me and say, you're going to go to New York Fashion Week. At that point, I didn't, I didn't know um, how, how well they were in this fashion industry, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, after a month, I understood, like, a, oh, my God, these two, they know very well so many people. And I started receiving all the invitations, all of them. I couldn't believe and I, and I went for a week. And it was like a, wow, it was wild. Because I was working with my camera. I went to do backstage. I did media pit with the photographers. I met amazing designers. During the day, you work. You run into shows everywhere. And at night, there is Paris everywhere. I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, it was just alcohol, maybe an apple, and running around all New York. And this was February and it was snowing, but uh, it was the best experience ever. And the good thing is like, I did so very well, um, good contact with people. Then the, the next season is the next September, and it's a spring summer collection, People, they know me and I, and they hire me to do backstage uh, work. So I worked three seasons for uh, Zach Posen. My photos have been in Glamour.com. I did uh, some photos. They, they went to Vogue Russia, you know. Oh, so you were doing photography. Photography. But the interesting part is like, a, because I have a style, even the photographers, when I was in the media pit, they said to me, wow, you have to be in the front row, not here. I said, no, but I'm a photographer. And they said, you are the best dress. Best dress photographer award of the New York Fashion Week. Exactly. <laughs> and what happened? This opened another doors. I'm sure. I started also working as a, as a fashion stylist here in Miami for a local magazines. People started looking my like a, my creativity portfolio in a way, you know, between my photos, my own style, um, dressing models, and maybe a client. And so things were picking up, and it was yeah. 2013, 14. Yes. And then 15, 
and I was working as crazy. Yeah. Uh, in one moment, I in I and in 2000, very important 2013, my marriage start going in a bad position. I got very depressed. I couldn't get pregnant. I felt very sad. We lost this magical connection um, and communication and passion. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I said to him, we need to separate. We need to take different paths. And you, you have to be free and get a woman who can give you a, a child. And I'm going to follow my life as a fashion stylist or creativity. Um, That must have been awfully hard. It was really bad. It was uh, heartbreaking, you know. Um, But it is, it is, it is what it is, you know, like if there is no passion anymore in a marriage, you cannot force things. So I got very depressed. Uh, in the end of 2013, I moved to an apartment, very small, by myself. Uh, I decided to, in one moment, to say to him, like, uh, it was 50-50, but uh, I had to be in some point to say, like, uh, hey, on Friday, um, it's my last day. So I'm leaving. I'm going to this apartment. And uh, next month, we're going to the, we're going to do the papers with a lawyer. We're going to do everything very friendly uh, because we're, we're adults. And, um, and you have been my best friend, my husband, my lover, my confidant for 13 years. So we have to do this as a, you are a gentleman and I am a lady, you know. So we did it, but of course, depression, sadness, punishment, anguish, because I punished myself like it was my fault. After my divorce, I didn't love me. I didn't feel myself. I I was very destructive, like drinking a lot, I, I try also different different drugs. So in 2014, I started working as crazy. Mm-hmm. Going to New York, Miami, everywhere, the museum. I was like a crazy. Priority to be busy because it's the only way, like the mind is not going to be sad mm-hmm. and yeah. you are not going to be more depressed and you are already depressed. And... Um, 2015, I was feeling much better. I was confidence back. I was, I met a guy. So, you know. Yeah, new life. A new life. And one day I, I felt something in my in, in my book. And um, so I went home at six after my job. I took my bra off and I said, wow, I felt something. So I did my, I self-examined me. And I, in one moment, I touched here and I said, like, whoa, what is that thing? And it was like a 
five centimeters, super hard, like a, a stone. I said, like, that thing wasn't there, like, probably um, a year or six months ago. So the next day, I talked to my boss. I said, Angeles, go to the general doctor and ask all the questions. I went to the doctor. The general said, yes, you have something, so you have to do a mammography like a, soon. So in two weeks. Now, back to my divorce. When I was in, the, in all the papers to divorce, I put aside to go to the doctor because I was so bad. I was so depressed. And I said, ah, I'm going to do my mammography next month. I'm going to do my mammography in two months. Two years after. I didn't go for two years. So in between 2013 and 2014, I didn't see doctors. I didn't see anyone. My grandmother passed away from breast cancer. So it, it is in the family. So I made a mistake too. You know, mm -hmm. so I went to the doctor, the nurse came, she did the ultrasound and I said, everything okay? And she said, eh, the doctor's coming, the doctors are going to come to talk with you. And at that moment, my heart was like a fuck. Yeah. This, this is real. This is happening. And, uh, a doctor came, another doctor came, and a student came because I, in, I was my, my hospital is uh, at the University of Miami. Mm. Um, and the doctor said, "Look, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the ultrasound because I wanted to show you where you found it, but I found another thing." Oy. And I said, "Like, okay," and. Uh, he did it, and uh, she said, look, this is you, this is what we found, and what we did here to my axilla, they found a metastasis spread. So, uh, bad, really bad. So, so I started crying, and the doctor said, you need to do the biopsy today. Um, they give me the result a week after, and they called me, and it was my birthday. And uh, they say, hey, uh, Maria, because my name is Maria de Los Angeles. So they say, Maria, I'm so sorry. You, you have cancer, and it's really bad. It's a stage three, and your life is going to change. They said that? Yeah, just like that. Just like it's that. a very dramatic way of announcing a, a diagnosis. Yeah, it's um, you never expect that it's gonna be so like a cold and direct, you know, like a, and you felt at that moment terrified, like a, you can die, you know. Was that your first thought? Yeah, yeah, it was my my first thought, like a, I'm gonna die with this disease, like a. There is no chance. You you start thinking the worst. And I sat down and uh, I called my sister immediately. 
and I was crying because you know the stereotypes of cancer, you know, but you don't know how it's going to be the pain, how it's going to be the side effects. Uh, yeah. I always I said like a, when sometimes you, you watch movies about cancer, you know, mm -hmm. so you have an, an idea, but in the end, it's completely different. It's, it's more than that. It's more than Hollywood has been showing, you know, in films, you know. Mm -hmm. it, so, <clears throat> and it was funny because one day I was in the Kimoland. Kimoland. Yes. <laughs> to the place and uh, uh, then you have the treatment, then you have chemotherapy at the hospital. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I tried to be a little bit, you know, like a, with a humor like, a, okay, Angeles in Kimoland, like a Alice in Wonderland, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I need it. I need, yeah, because the place is really, it's... it's uh, it is a different world. It's a different world. People, they don't have no idea. But you also got a lot of it, right? Yeah, yeah. How many rounds of chemo did uh, you get? Chemo were 16. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. But it that happened because it was a stage three. I mm -hmm. got um, big, big tumors, you know, five centimeters, two of them, a metastasis. When it's a stage one, then in the and probably the tumor is a small, even though you have cancer cells. Um, it, sometimes it's, it's a different. Um, treatment maybe as less sometimes they do the surgery first and after mm -hmm. the chemo in my case was first the chemo and after the surgery because they needed to shrink the the tumors like they're gonna open and they wanted just to take the tumor away but when they open they noticed like everything was with cancer cells so they took everything absolutely everything, all my leaf nodes, everything. So I'm, I'm completely flat. And was it the one boob or both? I wanted to do both, but because I was with a mm -hmm. blood thinner, they were very concerned if uh, the surgery came very complicated if I do both at the same time. So I did just one and we decide, depending how I, my evolution is, you can do the second one. And so how long in time, like you said, 16 rounds of chemo, how long did that go on for? Almost like a eight months. Wow. Before you had the surgery. Before the surgery. And after I got 36 radiations. 36? Yeah. And that one was? Once a week. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Oh and God. that that one was funny because people said to me, no, but it's not like a chemo. You're going to be okay. So after 36 radiation, I remember, I think it was like a, the number 20 probably or 25, more or less. Um, I was bleeding in my chest. It was like a meat, like a, you put meat in a, over a grill, you know. Oh my God. And um, it was horrible for me. Emotionally, I was exhausted i was uh sad i was so many thoughts in my mind like a this is worth it <laughs> you know so maybe many times happened to me like a i want to just 
um, you know, kill myself in one moment. Like I, I wanted to go to sleep and not wake up next next day. Did you ever get further down that path of thought? I just, I I got a lot of thoughts. Many times I saw my, my pills, you know, my Percocel, Oxycodine, all of those painkillers. And so many people have been died because the sensation is fabulous when you take it, you know, you feel like a, you are in heaven and after you sleep. But of course, if you overdose and you took a lot of them, you can kill yourself very easily. And I noticed that I was very weak and I was very fragile with all of those topics. And one day I went to radiation and I was crying immediately with my nurse. And uh, she said to me, are you okay? And I said to her, no, I'm not. I'm not. And she said... She didn't have to ask. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And she said, you need to talk with someone. So you are not going to leave the hospital today like this, you know. Go to do your radiation. And I'm going to talk with the psychologist or the psychiatrist because I'm worried about you. And I say, I'm worried about me also. I said to her, those moments like a... You feel like a, you can take a bad decision, you know? Yeah. And uh, I stay there, I cry until one moment I, I call a friend and say, like, can you pick me up? Because I cannot go alone to home. Look, I'm, I'm still learning about me. And this was a very, a very good moment of me, like I educate myself, like a, I have like a really bad low point sometimes and I need help. I need help. And uh, I have to accept as a human being, like uh, I cannot do things sometimes alone. Simple as that. And you need maybe some extra medicine. And that doesn't mean like uh, I am a, or a crazy person or a bad person or, you know, or, I'm not very smart person. No, I'm just a normal person who needs help. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. When I was in Kimoland also as well, I was feel like a, it was like a, a like a first class in a in an airplane, you know? Like a, <laughs> between between the seat, between the people how they say hello to you, the people who care about you. Um I, I felt like a wow, uh I was treated very, very well, even though mm-hmm. some days it's not easy to be there. But uh, it was funny. It was a uh, my style during cancer. It was uh, a conversation moment always. So it was great to to give my advice to them, like uh, how to look better, even though we are in our worst moment and we lost all our confidence and all our femininity you know mm-hmm. and I create this big turban and I put my brooches um, because I noticed like if you put a bigger turban with more fabrics doesn't look like you don't have hair like if you put just a scarf <laughs> you know yeah that, I think your turban is beautiful I, I saw pictures thank you 
it's not something that you can, it's not a kind of disease that you can conceal and not talk about it. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's not a private thing. No, but it's like a, I hear so many people like when they got breast cancer or any cancer, they keep it super uh, secret. They didn't say anything to friends. They were just with the family. In my case, I needed to share because I am alone in this country. So I don't have a family. All my family is around the world in different countries. And uh, I have just friends. And in one moment, I said to me, if I'm not talking, if I'm not sharing what is happening to me, I'm not going to be able to to fight this, to win, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I needed, I needed to, to talk and also to talk in a very raw way. Like a, I have to say sometimes, fuck cancer. I have to say this is horrible. It's like a, the worst lover ever. <laughs> I always say like, a, please cancer, don't love me. Don't love my body. Don't love myself, you know? <laughs> Because cancer is an asshole. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. At the same time, I have to accept that cancer is in my body and we have to work together as a team to win this disease, you know. Or my surgeon said to me, uh, do what you love and you're going to feel better. It's going to be your medicine. And so what was your, what was the thing that you did? I never stopped working. And because I'm working in uh, in the arts and in the fashion, always uh, there is something good to do. There's something that is making me happy to work with a good team. For example, when I was doing a styling between the photographer, between the person who is doing production and the music, the model, you know. And that moment is the moment that I needed during my cancer, a positive energy. I think it was the best decision not to stop. Of course, I, I got some days like I, I have to call and I say, hey, I'm not feeling well. I had really bad days. But most of the time I was there doing what I love, even at the museum. My boss and the whole team, they were always care of me, giving me good moments. Like they said to me sometimes like, oh, I'm so glad that you are here today working simple as that mm -hmm. and I said that's good I'm feeling the same to work with you you know I remember during our Basel Denise because I'm working in the fashion and in the art everyone invited me for events mm -hmm. parties uh dinners and one day I decide I'm gonna go to two events and I'm gonna dress up and I'm gonna have champagne And I'm going to have the best day ever. But I said to me, I'm going from 7 to 9.30, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was the best decision ever. Everyone was so surprised to see me. I dressed up. The press, they took my photo. Everyone was like, a, wow, Angeles, you look like a, a princess. That's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes we have to follow rules and sometimes we have to break rules. Even though I was with so many medicines, I decided like, a, yes, I'm going to have a glass of champagne. Why not? <laughs> Life is too short. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People, they, they were generous with me in my worst moment. 
now that I'm feeling better, I have to be generous for another one. Simple as that. That's my best learning. Like I also, when I go to visit my sister and I cook there, I love to cook. My sister was working, I am going for vacation. Um, in Switzerland, I always I say, no, no, no. This week, I'm going to cook every day for all of you because you are working, you are studying, you are tired, and I am in my, my vacation. So this is my gift to you. And always when they were arriving, we open a glass of a bottle of wine. I have something special. I prepare appetizers. And we enjoy the simple things in life, like a, is to share food, is to share a, a fabulous dinner with the people that you love because you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. So, yeah, I am like that. I am like that, always. I I have a couple questions there. Uh, so what you're describing mostly is wanting to feel normal and wanting to feel healthy and positive and, um, and I'm sure people welcomed that because it is easier to handle. Um, you just play along with that positive thing. But were there moments where you wanted to initiate a more difficult conversation? Like, did you talk about what was going on inside you besides the therapy? Oh, yes. I cannot be always happy and positive and I have to really to go too deep in my thoughts. I have to talk with people like a, my friend, with my sister and my brother. It's interesting. They were topics in family like a, you don't talk because they're not good. Yeah, that's why I'm asking because because in Russia, that's one of those things like you just don't talk about it. You pretend nothing's going on. Nothing is going on. And at some point in my case, I needed to talk. Because we had we have uh, family issues, like every everyone has family issues, and um, we you never talk. It's like a, they never happen. You don't want it to talk that because it's gonna be a bad conversation. It's not gonna be a bad conversation, but you're gonna take a lot of emotional moments, mm -hmm. and and maybe someone is gonna feel maybe very weak, and they don't want it to accept. Like there are those problems, and maybe you can you can transmit those problems to your daughter, to your son, you know, like a, in the family. So when I got cancer, and I was able a little bit to feel much better, I was stronger in my thoughts. I start talking with my sister, like a, hey, do you remember what happened with our mom? Do you remember why mom passed away? Um, I'm sorry. What did happen? Oh, my 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 mom was an uh, was an alcoholic, and uh, she was very depressed and um, very weak, very 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 weak. And one day, her body was like a so fragile, and she she started having an hemorrhagic, uh, you know blood um, disease and uh, she said I don't want it to leave she went to coma and uh, in a week she passed and she was 
53. Very, very young. And it was very fast, everything. And we never talk about that. Like, a, like a, okay, mom passed away, but we never talk. Like a, our mom was, in a way, a little bit with an addiction, you know, because yeah. she was sad. Mm -hmm. um, so now we talk about that because I always, I said sometimes to my brother, like, a, I don't want it to finish my life like a, my mom. You know, it's not going to happen, but uh, sometimes you feel like a, I have issues in my family. I got depressed very easy. Uh, alcohol is there. You know, you never know. Yeah. So you have to be responsible and you have to talk about that. So now we yeah. talk about that. And I, and even now during this year, then it has been an, a very strange year for everyone. Yes, we start talking once a week with my brother and my sister uh, through Zoom or through the WhatsApp with videos. And my my brother was talking, oh, this is happening to me in my work. My sister uh, and also issues with the family, and also me that I am alone here. Yeah. I don't have a family here. I don't have a kid. I don't have a husband. We start talking very deeply about emotions and concerns and um, mom um, it, it has been very good you know mm -hmm. like a, a family therapy in a way mm -hmm. to be open because with this complex year you don't know what is going to happen in a month we don't know if I can if I if I can travel again to Chile or I can visit my sister like right now I cannot go to Europe to, to visit here so I'm not going for Christmas it's very sad for me yeah but i had always to at some point in my life to talk about topics that they're not good but if i talk in the end i'm gonna i'm gonna feel release you know yeah yeah of course it's like also there is another topic that people that don't talk is about sex when you are mm -hmm. do when you having breast cancer and after breast cancer your body is completely different than it used to be before and sex is not this is not going to be the same and also i have to accept me i have one boob and i don't have the other one and guys there sometimes they don't understand that and i feel reject many times and um uh, mm. and also the the process to have sex is not so easy like uh, before and uh, at some point i have to talk and and also educate people because people because they saw you oh but you look amazing so cancer is gone and it's yeah. like a, no like a, of course i don't i am not anymore in treatment you know but i have so many pills and my body is completely completely different than before and it's yeah. not gonna be never back like a, they used to be so i need to talk about that when i when you met someone at some point or you're dating someone and it's the time to have sex, we have to mm -hmm. be honest. And I said, like, look, this is happening to me, and you have to be very careful with me. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain steps, and um, and I need to talk about that. Like, I never thought like I'm gonna talk about sex, but I, I said like I need to talk. Sorry, it's. Um, 
I'm intrigued. And if you don't want to have it like later in on the record, I can edit it out. But what do you say? Like, what are those steps? Like, how is it different? Um, because when they they put me in pre-menopause, like I, I am, I wasn't in the moment to have a menopause. But when they put you in the pre-menopause with pills, mm -hmm. um, everything changed. And I'm very... Um, the vagina is not the same. Mm -hmm. The vagina got completely dry, mm -hmm. and radiation and uh, uh, chemotherapy also affect the muscle. Vagina is a, is a muscle, so radiation they shrink the muscle. It's like a, a smaller. Mm. So the process when you are in an intercourse mm -hmm. is very painful mm. so you have to stimulate more the muscle mm -hmm. to get comfortable and you have to do exercise like a i have to buy this specific tool that you have different sizes that you have to do exercise with them with your vagina to get back like a flexible you know and bigger again Mm -hmm. But it's not easy anyway. And people, they, they don't know about that. And Hollywood needs to change cancer movies because they always put it like a the stereotype that like you throw up, you lose your hair, mm -hmm. but they never talk about like a, you have numbness in your hands, in your in your feet, um, the headaches, like a, they are horrible, yeah. horrible. It's like a, you wanted to die. Um, mm -hmm. The sex... And, and other things like uh, complications. So they need to modernize. They need to update. If any writers are listening, take a note. <laughs> take a note. No. <laughs> But that's that's one of the reasons I want to talk. And I really appreciate you being so, so candid. Uh, because, again, even if some, uh, even as somebody who has had close family members, multiple, uh, like my grandpa had cancer, my mom had cancer, my great-grandmother, who I don't remember, but she also had cancer, and my grandmother has cancer. Like, I have it all around me, and I still know nothing. And I think, obviously, even this conversation won't give a person a full picture, a full idea, but a couple extra, you know, details to that painting I think is good. And uh, I really appreciate you being so, so open, you know, uh, not everybody can talk like this. And I think that's part of the reason why people don't get the information exactly. is that on one hand, people don't want to share and people also don't want to ask because they feel that those questions would be intrusive. Intrusive. Yeah, it's true. Um, and in some cases it is, and in some oh, cases yes. you shouldn't, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, that's why I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really grateful to you. Yeah. Look, I have a, um, a little story. It was a fashion story. They invite me to something with a famous, uh, designer, jewelry designer. I was doing breast cancer and I put a nice outfit, my turban. Um, I went with a one of my stylish friends, John, 
and um, a woman came to me and he said, oh, I love your style. Are you a... Uh, are you Jewish? Are you Orthodox yeah. Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, a, a, German, no, yeah. no, no, I am not, I am not Orthodox Jewish. I'm, I'm, I'm having cancer. And she was like, a, oh, wow. And she was like, a, but you look good. I love your style. I said, yeah, thank you. But that's the truth. Like I always, I, said, I prefer to say the truth directly. Sorry if it's too is to directly to you but <laughs> said no I, I have cancer simple as that <laughs> but this is my style did she did she manage to continue the conversation no no she was like a, <laughs> a she was like a, oh okay okay she said oh, but she, she said like this like well yeah okay bye you look good and she and she walked away <laughs> you know i know you have one more turban story uh Tell me about the wall. How did that happen? A graffiti artist here in Miami, he found my photo, or like he found a particular photo that I love it. I think this is my favorite photo through having this disease. He found it and he did a draw in pencil. He didn't know me at all. He put the draw on Instagram. He didn't tag me. He didn't put my name. He said, he put like a, I don't know this woman, but uh, I would love to know about her. Something like that, a caption like that. I remember I was after chemo, I was in my bed, like feeling like a horrible. And my friend sent me a text message with the photo, like a screenshot. And he said, Angeles, this is you. So I opened the screenshot. So like, oh, yes, look like me. Who did that? And he said, you don't know who did that to you? I said, no. And he, and he <laughs> my friend, he didn't believe me, like what I was saying to him, like, a, no, I know. I, I said, like, a, literally, who did that? So my friend sent me the Instagram of this guy from this artist. I said, no, I don't know him. Why he did that? He said, Angela, this is so strange. He did that. Like a, so yeah, yeah. So. No, no, no. And he's a very well-known artist here in Miami. It's a very one oh. of it's one of the good graffiti art, artists in Miami. Okay. And he said, "Let me put your name. I'm gonna ask to him on the comments." So he said, "Hey, this looks like a Angeles for the photos for Simonette. Uh, uh, do you know her or something?" And he put my name. He tagged me. Said, "I hope he's gonna answer to you or something." Well like a, an hour or two hours later, still in my bed, feeling really bad. And he sent me a message, like a, the longest message ever. <laughs> An amazing message. He found my photo and he said like, a, oh my God, I need to know this woman, but I don't know her, how I'm gonna content her. But okay, maybe the universe is gonna give it the moment because he knew like I was with breast cancer. So he was like, also respect, like I'm not gonna bother here, you know, because yeah. she's having a bad moment, but uh, one day I need to contact her. And he sent me the message like, look, you intrigue me a lot when I found the photo. The photography is absolutely gorgeous. Your face, your the, the look, and the, the way that you look the camera, like I said, and he said, look, I am not a stalker. This is not, this is all poor creativity. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a married man. I have two kids. 
but <laughs> I wanted to do a project with you and I want to do your portrait in a big scale, like a, in the big wall ever in Miami. And I need, and I need your permission. Oh, wow. If you give me your permission, I will do this project with a friend. I don't know when, I don't know in which wall. This is going to be a project that is going to take um, a lot of months. But um, but please give me the opportunity to do this because I had never done this, but you inspire me. And wow. also maybe it's a good message for all the ones who fight in breast cancer or they fight in any cancer. Look, I was crying after that and we met and the connection was like a, like, a, I don't know how to say, like a stars. He's a character and a beautiful soul and very talented. So imagine me, how privileged, like a someone is inspired by my story, by a photo, like a, it was a fashion photo, but in the end, it's more than a fashion photo. And we did it. And the wall is there in Design District. Uh, we found an, an amazing, iconic wall uh, that is called the Living Room. Um, we contact the owners for those uh, for that corner because it's a landscape. So probably one day they're going to maybe build a building. Maybe they're going to destroy this wall. And even the guys, the, the owners said, like, look, we give you the wall for, for a year. They give it to us money, donate money for painting, for renting the lift, for light, because we have to do it sometimes at night or during the day. Also, it took like a two, almost two weeks, three weeks to finish the wall and uh, every day. So, and every day I finished my work and I went to the wall. So we buy pizza, beer, we have, we were smoking weed. <laughs> um, the other graffiti guys, they were with us passing by because he's very well known and everyone knew like uh, he was doing this. Like uh, at night, another graffiti is the community. They were there, like we, we go up in a wine. This is in the street. It was <laughs> a fabulous moment. You have no idea. Even the cars, they pass by and they know me, maybe it was a friend or maybe someone else. And they were with, the, you know, they, they put the window down and said, Jay, Angeles, this is amazing, abstract, amazing what you're doing. And in the neighbor, there is a, a pizzeria and there is people that they live in that corner. And we need to connect electricity to have light at night or the computer. And people, they were so generous. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. uh, here I have a, a longer cable. No, of course, anytime, knock the door connect with my electricity and the pizzeria sometimes they say, no, 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 I'm going to give you the pizza for free. Just buy the beer. Like a, literally I was, this is amazing. This is, I'm, I'm the most grateful person in the world. Then everything connect in the right moment. I always say everything happening for a reason. Even this cancer happening to me for a reason. I'm pretty sure the universe knew probably from the day one I born. Oh, Angeles, you're going to suffer when your mom is going to die. You're going to suffer in this. You're going to have in this and you're going to have cancer and you're going to have divorce. But this is because you are going to learn 
from this and you are gonna be maybe a better you you know i'm feeling like that i'm feeling like a i'm a better person now because i made i made a lot of mistakes voila <laughs> wow yeah Oof, it has been a crazy week because I have been talking about cancer and my experience a lot. Mm. And, uh, oof, but, but it's all for a good cause, you know? This is to inspire others to keep going, to inspire women to check the, themselves. So this is the moment that you have to check your boobs or whatever bad you feel in your body. Go to the doctor. Don't wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> wow, and you know, you keep you keep just amazing me. And the wall is there. It's called one day at a time. Design district love it. And uh during pandemic, you have no idea how many people pass by to the wall. And they say this world is not just about breast cancer, it's actually what is happening today, like a one day at a time, in all ways. So now it's became it's becoming like a um I don't know, a special a special wall, like a with a very powerful meaning. And uh I'm super proud that this happened, that Abstract did, um, that my friends support support me, that Design District support me as well, because I'm doing this event with them every year. Like this year was the fifth anniversary of Fashion Strike Cancer. Then I said to me, this year I'm not gonna do anything because it's not the moment, it's a very complex year. We cannot put people together, but anyway, we did it and we mm. did a lot of wellness moments. We did yoga classes. We did, yesterday we did a, a run, walk, 5K. Uh, I did a talk with Dior in the Design District on Thursday. Uh, we did an uh, art walk also with an uh, art gallery. Then the money went to, um, to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So look, I am so privilege that people believe and they gave me the opportunity to talk to share my story and help others so no i am i'm tired i am exhausted but the the feeling is so is so good inside me like uh, my heart it's incredible. The doctor, when they did my cardiology, my cardiologist did all the exams before the, the, the surgeries, always you have to check your heart. Yeah. He said to me, oh my God, you have really small heart. <laughs> but, but that's good because a small heart, they are better than big hearts. But it's a small and it's very powerful. Today, I'm feeling like a, my heart is, is big. It's really big. There's one more theme that we touched on, but I want to try to dig in a little bit more. I would like to talk about acceptance. Because 
I think it comes up for a lot of people, especially these days, and accepting the not knowing and the accepting of losing a lot. And a lot of people are struggling with it. And I think you have such an amazing experience throughout your life as both as an immigrant and as a cancer survivor um, at knowing how to accept and what is your experience with that? Well, well, accept, acceptance is like a really like a, a big word, <laughs> you know, um, it's like a thank you. <laughs> How do you mean? It's an important part of our life. You know, if, if we don't say thank you, we're really bad. You know, we're really bad in the concept of how to live. We have to say thank you for everything. Thank you because we are in this world because thank you, we have food. Thank you, we have a family, you know? So it's a big word. Acceptance is also a big word and an important part of our life in different moments in our life, in different ages, you know? Like, a, doesn't matter if you are adult or maybe you are a teenager, we have those roller coasters in life, like a down, then up downs, and it's difficult to accept like a, you lost someone. It's difficult to accept because the economy is not in the best moment. You can lose your job. And uh, at the same time, you have to accept that in order to look for another job, maybe, you know, to look for another thing that you want to do, uh, go forward. And um, in my case as well, because I lost all my confidence um, because I got a depression, I got the, the breast cancer and I lose all my femininity. I have to learn how to accept me with all of these issues and also to live with those um, pain, with all of those changes in my life. Like, uh, okay, I'm alone now. I have struggles with health issues. I didn't find someone who loves me, you know, as a partner. Um, and, and I need to accept those things in order to love me again and to live and work and whatever I wanted to do in life. Um, my experience also is became like a, you have to accept like a, when you have an, a mother, like a, um, it was very ill and you cannot control that. And you know, like a, your mother is going to be maybe better in heaven, you know, or in the universe, wherever she, she goes, because she's going to be free and she's going to be free of pain. It took me years to accept that. It took me years to forgive her as well and forgive me. Um, but yeah, it's a process like a, we need to do in certain moments of our life because we're not perfect. Definitely no one is perfect. And sometimes doesn't matter what, how, how, how many things do you have or how beautiful is your house or or whatever, it's it's always more than that. And uh, we have to put our feet on the ground 
and notice what is important in life and certain things in life is to be more grateful, accept time your friends and be there for others. Something like that. Can I dig a little bit? Uh, what was that process that let's take, you know, in your, in the, in the course of your fight with cancer, um, when you, when you first got the diagnosis and you started this treatment and, and you were telling me how it got dark in the beginning and how at some point you started finding, uh, I don't know what happened there and what were the moments, um, what was the thought process that went into arriving at acceptance for you? Um, well, um, in the beginning of my of my diagnosis with breast cancer, when I when I knew the bad news, my first thought was like a this is a punishment because I did something wrong in life. Um, and I talk a lot about this with my sister. My sister was my big support, like, a, no, don't say that, don't say that. It took me probably, I don't know, four months or maybe eight or maybe a year. I, I'm not pretty sure. Now I am more conscious than what I'm saying right now about punishment. The whole process, and even in my dark moment, was to notice me like a whatever was this bad moment, this bad news, this illness, it wasn't because I wasn't maybe a no good wife, maybe. Um, maybe I didn't get pregnant, you know. I wasn't that woman that I wanted to be in my marriage. Or So all of that came to me at the same time with, with, my, with, with my illness, with all, my, all of those moments. And... Uh, and I was repeating to me, wow, I'm really, I really, I did something wrong in life. And this is my, this is the response. I got this horrible disease because I did something wrong. But after many years, I have to accept this illness also at the same time, because I learned a lot from this illness. I learned how, how strong I am. So I have to accept me as I am with my scar, with my problems, with my emotional issues, mental issues. Um, because at the end, I, I had healthy issues and uh, I have to accept those like a, as, as part of my life because I'm going to deal with this probably until I death, I, I'm dying, you know, until I'm very, very old, probably. Um, and I have to accept because it's the only way that I can, I can live, like I can have a little balance. Um, and so what do you do? I mean, I'm sure there are moments, like with all of us, um, of of the why me or fuck it all or uh, it's unfair. Um, what do you do in those moments? Um, 
I call a friend <laughs> and I try to like, can you listen to me? Because I'm, I'm tired to talking to the walls, you know, in my apartment. So I need to express myself what was happening. I need to cry just because I need to cry. I need sometimes to be silenced because I don't have the energy to talk. Um, but in those moments, I think so. My my best supporter was what well, was my sister. She was the one like I I I, I had the, the freedom to say to her, hey. Fuck all, I'm living in hell with this pain. And I don't know what to do. So she, she talked to me, she listened to me, she changed topics. Um, I tried to eat something that I love, something that I really like it, like a watermelon or peaches, you know. Um, because I, I didn't want it to eat, but those kind of fresh fruit, they give me comfort. And my friend Juan, I remember, and I stayed with him many times after chemo, chemotherapy, he always, he had, he had for me those things. And he came to bed, I didn't talk, I remember, he was like, a, oh my God, I have never seen you like that. And uh, he always, he was, strong he never he never showed to me any weakness she was always you know like a oh you're okay lady don't worry blah 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 we're going to strong you know language and accent and um and he always brought me whatever i want or if i wanted to be in bed for 24 hours 48 hours whatever if i wanted to talk but he gave me good gave he gave me a lot of good moments and a good energy and uh but he gave me also freedom to eat whatever i want or whatever i wanted to do at all those moments and i always i wanted to go to to his home because of that because i can i can fight my my weakness my dark darkest moment and accept like a, okay this is happening but i am in good hands you know, I am secure here. And um, mm. he was a, a good medicine as well, my, my sister. They, they understood exactly for, for what I was going through without any questions, without putting me in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad moment or, or in a negative, you know, position just accept like a you're here i am here and we're with you you know so mm -hmm. so that 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 one was that one was good but of course maybe it was just a moment after i have to back to reality or back to my work and um but i, I was a, maybe a little bit uh with more energy mm -hmm. so i said like look you keep going and if it's happening to me again, all of those dark moments, definitely I need to accept like a, I need help. I cannot do this alone. And for many people, 
when they're like a, a CEOs or people who has like a really important jobs in life, when they show weakness, sometimes they don't want it to show like a, they're fragile as, as any person in the world, you know? They want it to keep like a, they are like a, a strong and a, they can take decisions and they can keep going even though they have pain. But our body is very delicate. Mm -hmm. So, and our mind also is not always in in a good position. So we need to stop and s slow down and uh, accept like uh, we need help, accept like uh, we need to rest, you know? Some days we need, and this is another thing, when everything is happening to me, I learn how to say no. Because mm. I used to I used to say yes for everything. And sometimes you need to decide, like, okay, this is good for me, this is so-so, and this is no. And no is no. And you can be very polite and I say to the person, no, look, I'm not going to do this. But definitely, like, uh, this this took me time. This is not a thing, like, it's happened from, mm. you know, one day to the other day, you know. This is, this is not fast. Yeah. People always say, and artists always say, best art comes from pain, from suffering. But, and, you know, some people put suffering upon themselves. But in your case, the suffering was given to you. But you know how to transform it. And I think your ability, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in a way, okay, I'll start from, from a different angle. Sorry. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of style. You know, I grew up in a uh, rather simple family. We didn't have much and we never had... Um, extra for fancy clothes. Also, it was a tough time in Russia, 90s after collapse of Soviet Union. Um, you know, there wasn't much. And also in my family, the priority always was the education. And, you know, my parents would spend unlimited amount of money on any extra classes, but clothes were not. Not, not important. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a necessity. It's just. No. Yeah. And, and so I didn't grow up with much style in my life. And I always kind of felt a little bit disabled in that way. <laughs> because not that I don't have taste. It's, I just, I'm just, honestly, I'm just lazy, um, I think. And it's just not part of what I do. And whenever I see somebody who takes the time to create their persona and create that image, I'm always taken by that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, of course, you have been doing that your whole life, it looks like. And it's just such a beautiful, I think it shouldn't be trivialized. And it's not a simple or um it shouldn't be diminished okay that beauty because um 
I think that ability to create yourself every day with those beautiful, um, with the beautiful clothes, with the beautiful accessories and putting the thought into creating your image, I think that gave you this ability to transform your experience too into a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a way, I think you were kind of like practicing your whole life. It's <laughs> it's my, you know, it's my impression of this and I don't know how <laughs> that resonates at all with you, but that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um am I like completely off? No. <laughs> no. You're fabulous. You're fabulous. Um <laughs> No, like, look, my mom was very elegant and very stylish, and my grandmother, too. Um, So, of course, uh, my mother educated us very well. My father, because he was a doctor, also was always, like, a very focus about uh, schools, education, different languages, or traveling, because all of that is going to give you a good good tools, you know, to conquer life. But of course, because my mom was a pianist, was creative, I I I dance all my life, you know. And when you are in a stage and you put like a beautiful dresses or the tutus or the flamenco costumes, um, you became someone. You 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 you're a character, you know. Um, always, I wanted to be also an actress, and I did some theater when I was in the school. Uh, well, being a dancer also, it's part like you play, you 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 have a character that you play. So all of those moments, they became part of my life, and I start like, a, you know, showing my style through my unique look, because I never... I never, uh, I definitely, I never, I never been like a the typical girl. There is something trendy, like a oh, blue is the is the color, and everyone is wearing blue. No, I was wearing all the colors. I was wearing men clothes when I was twelve. I was wearing my father's jacket, like it's like a, the penguin one when you marriage. Yeah, I was wearing that to go to parties when I was. 14, 15. That's hilarious. And people, of course, the artistic people, they love me, but the most of the people, they reject me many times because like, who is this girl? Where, where this girl came from? Like, a, Because Chile is very conservative and, um, and it was difficult for me being accepted from people with, with my same age. Mm. But instead, I I went to England, I went to Spain to study. There, people love me as as me, and they never it wasn't an issue. What, what was I I was wearing? If I wearing boots or if I'm wearing crazy stuff in my head or vintage, like I love vintage clothing. Mm-hmm. So I always I put my fashion like a, a, a like a my part of my expression, who who I am. And some days I'm very simple, and some days I am over the top, and some days I'm overdressed, and I don't care. Like I, it's making me happy, and um, 
And also because I am in the fashion industry, I'm very privileged because people, they gave me outfits, a lot of beautiful things that I cannot afford. That's the other thing. At the same time, I'm working hard and I, because I love fashion, I save money for certain things that I really love. And mm. I'm creating a little collection that mm-hmm. maybe if I, the day that when I'm going to die, then people, they know me, I said to them, look, if I'm dying, do something with, with my closet. Um, because their pieces, like, they are really unique. And they have, they have a story. I know one of your dresses got to go to a Christmas party at the White House. Yes, yes. And that would be my dream. So I need to know, how do you do that? And imagine <laughs> Obama was there and I got a moment with Michelle Obama. Look, the whole story is like a, it's giving me chills because um, long time ago, before breast cancer, I went to an event in Nima Marcos. Then it was an event with Alexis Bitar. Then he's a uh, contemporary jewelry designer. One of the most uh, important as a contemporary jewelry designer here in the United States. We can have some champagne. I'm going to see the jewelry. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun, you know. I'm laughing because when I'm thinking, it's like a, he's the famous guy. I am the one I have to ask for a photo. And it was completely opposite. <laughs> it was all of those clients. It was press photographers. And he came to me and he said to me, who you are, you are the most chic person in this room. And I need to know about you. It was literally like that. And I was still like a checking myself, like a this jewelry is and he's talking to me. And he said, I need your photo. His assistant came like a hey Alexis, you need to talk with this, you need to talk at that. I said, No, 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 no. I need a moment with this girl. So he put me away from the room. He took the cell phone. It was no iPhone and a cell phone, like an old cell phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he took a photo. <laughs> and I said, Tell me in five minutes who you are, because I need to buy. And I said, well, I am Angeles. I am I'm an artist. I'm working in, in dance, in fashion a little bit. I'm doing my own jewelry designer that I was wearing that day. And uh, I'm from Chile. Mother Spanish, blah, blah, blah. I'm living here, like this. I said, mm-hmm. okay, uh, this is my email. And uh, we're going to be in contact. Hmm. So, okay. Just like that. He back. We took a, after we took a photo together. And I never heard about him until he wrote about me on his blog at that time. Mm-hmm. And he and he said, he put it on the blog, like a, I am not a person who I'm talking about other people. Because always I'm talking about my work, my creativity, and blah blah blah. But today my blog is about this woman that I met in Miami, and it was like an iconic. Year passed, blah, 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 breast cancer came. I never heard about him again. I tried to connect with him, mm-hmm. and always it wasn't an assistant or someone in the company. No, he's traveling. No, he's busy. He's blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Okay. So I'm going to again to Neymar Marcus, 
they invite me. And I say to my friend, Jong, Jong, come with me. This is going to be interesting to meet again Alexis Vitar. Mm. So, okay, definitely interesting. And we went there. So Alexis is like a, talking with someone and he turned to me. And he saw me. He opened the eyes like big eyes. And he mm. said, Angeles. And I say, hi, Alexis. What happened with you? I tried to communicate with you so many times. And he looked at me and said, what is going on? And I said, well, yes, something is going on. No, I noticed. And he said again, I need 15 minutes this time with Angeles. <sighs> In the middle of the television and everything, he said, I don't care. So he talked with the Nima Marcus, he talked with everyone, like, no. And he took me with the hand. He put two chairs away. Tell me what is going on. So I told to him the breast cancer, the divorce, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And he said, no, no, no. And he took my phone. Okay, this is my phone. This is my directly telephone. This is my directly email. No, you are not going to disappear again in my life. And I said, okay. Hmm. And he said, come with me. I'm going to give you a present. So he has all of these fabulous pieces. And he said, okay, this piece, whatever. They're, that one, they are the best collection ever. It's all handmade. And I love brooches. And I look at this brooch. I said, I think so that one is for me. And he said, good choice. Because this one is just one. I never done this one like a collection. Oh my God. You do have an eye. Yeah. So I said, perfect. <laughs> so I put in him. I, and he wrote me over the, the box and everything. This is from my dearest Angeles. Thank you for back to me. And in that moment, the PR came and lights came and the stylist. And he said, look, let me tell you girls. You don't know. I met this woman, I think, so in 2010, 2011. And we disconnect. We went apart because I am Alexis Vitar and there is always an assistant, he said, something like that. And he said, but she came to me today and I fall in love with her at that time in 2010 or 11. And I'm falling again today. And he asked me, what are you doing in December? And I said, I think so. Maybe I'm going to go to uh, for Christmas in Switzerland, but it's all depend of my health. And it's all depend when I'm going to have my chemo. But uh, and he said, no, no, this is like a early, early, early December. And I say, okay, early December, no problem. So I'm going to send you an email later today or tomorrow. I say, okay, cool. So now let me go. I need to do my job. I say, no, don't worry. Go do, mm. do, do your thing now with the press and everything. And that night I invite my friend John to stay with me and a friend of mine, a girlfriend, stay with me also. Uh, and we have dinner and at that moment, I received an email from Alexis. And these two, they were like, a, read, 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 read. So <laughs> I read. I was like, a, oh, oh, my God. said, Angeles, today was a marvelous day, super magical. Can you be my date as my guest for a day for the Christmas party at the White House? John started crying. And he said to me, you need a dress. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I was like, a, okay, yes, I need a dress. It's, it's cool. I, definitely, I need a dress. But, yeah. And I got this fabulous dress from a, a Parisian, a Venezuelan designer. Like, a, I look like a princess, like a Serena, you know, a, mm-hmm. like a Russian girl. Because people, mm-hmm. they stop me inside in the White House. I said, oh, are you from Russia or are you from those places? And I said, like, a, no, but it's just my style. The fabric, the, the brocade, and they put a little fur here. And it was very cold in the, uh, the White House, like it was December, you know, winter. So it was the perfect dress. Um, so I went there. And I had a moment with Michelle Obama because this is the funny part. I uh, There is the moment that you, you know, like uh, those people, these fabulous people, they do their job when they invite people. Mm-hmm. So Alexis is a very good friend of Michelle. Mm. So Alexis told to Michelle about me, like, hey, she's going to be my date. Mm-hmm. So she did the job and she probably she researched about me in a way. Mm-hmm. So when President Obama came and Michelle Obama came, she saw Alexis and everyone and she came directly to me with Alexis and she took my hand. There was like a, a lot of people around, but she came to me and she said, please give me a space. I need to talk with that girl, with that lady. Michelle said, and I was like, this is wow. And I was with Alexi and Alexi said, hey, Michelle, this is, this is my friend Angeles. And she took the hands, she took my hands and she said, I'm so glad that you're here because I know for what you're having right now. So Merry Christmas, enjoy the night. Alexis, thank you for bringing her and I will see you later. In the, in the other room and say, and I was like, wow. I couldn't take a photo with him, you know? I couldn't. Yeah. I said, this is the magic moment, like a, I'm gonna keep it like this. For you. For me. Yeah. If someone asks me, I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. And you also got to meet Iris Apfel. That's the other part, Iris. I met her in September in New York Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Iris said to me, said, said to Elias, that girl is going to be like me when she's going to have my age. Mm. And after that, we start like having these moments with her. I went to her birthday, the 97, in oh, Alexis wow. Vitar house a couple of years ago. No, no, no. I, amazing moments happened to me. And um, look, again, super privileged that Alexis invited me. I think you, it's, of course, there is an element of luck. Definitely. And I know you're acknowledging that, but what I'm seeing in all of that is the same thing and it's the same experience I had. Who is that girl? (laughs) And that is you. You create that. Well... And I think you're just fabulous at that. And I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna watch you now, always. Um, 
And I'm a super fan. Um, <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm um, normal. I'm normal. But uh, it's true. I have that's the best part. These decorations. I have things and they happen around. And uh, I have those little stories. But that's the best part. You are normal and you create this, this beauty. And you don't stop being normal. Want to be creating. So what would be your advice to creating a style creating a style your best accessory is your confidence if you wanted to go with a sweatpants with your hoodie to a uh, cocktail go don't worry break break the rules i broke the rules many times because i wanted to feel uncomfortable or one day I wanted to be overdressed and everyone is in jeans <laughs> and cardigans. And I am almost like a, with a, a gala dress. But I said, I, that's me. I feel fabulous. I wanted to wear this. Like another day, like a today, I am with my hoodie, a pair of shorts, and that's it. And I love it. So wherever you go, just go with your confidence up here over your head and be happy own it love it love it that's it simple thank you thank you so 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 much you are beautiful oh my god no you are beautiful and you're a fabulous person i noticed i hope one day i can meet you in real and we can have a coffee or tea or a beer or a glass of champagne and a glass enjoy of champagne. And a glass of champagne and enjoy life and celebrating this beautiful uh, friendship then we're gonna thank have you it so much. yeah no thank Yay. you thank you thank you to you for contacting that's it for today i hope you're still here how amazing is angeles so if you can support the cause. It's still a few days till the end of the Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Angelus's initiative, Fashion Strikes Cancer, in partnership with Miami Design District, is benefiting Breast Cancer Research Foundation. And if you donate in the next three days before the end of October, your donation will be tripled. It will be matched three times up to $75,000. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And one more thing. If you know someone who is struggling or someone whose loved ones are struggling with cancer or any other disease or just going through a rough patch, share this episode with them. I do believe that Angelus can lift them up. All right. You hang in there, okay? Uh, be good to yourselves, call a friend, check up on them, and remember, we're here to stay. We'll find our way. Thank you for listening. My Love you all. Country, Peace.